Hi, I'm Melanie. I'm an adult child. I have to start with a reading and then share with you. So I'm going to start with reading you something from Chapter 7, which I guess uh, really touched me very early on in my um, recovery. It's from page 98 in the back, back red book. So in addition to learning about survival roles through the 12 steps, many adult children realise that they have absorbed generational shame, abandonment and rage, only to grow up and recreate similar families or relationships. They realise they want to fix others, they wanted to fix others. Without focused help, many ACA spend their lives in adult relationships trying to repair their original family. Who hasn't read a story about a child with an ailing parent growing up to be a doctor in an effort to find a cure for the ailing parent? Adult children are no different. We want to heal our drunken or dysfunctional parents by acting good, silent, or by taking care of them. But the sickness the adult child attempts to cure in the parent is the disease of dysfunction, which we have no power over. The ACA identity papers identify this behavior as our main problem a mistaken belief that we could have changed our parents. Additionally, the problem read at ACA meetings underscores our attempts to heal or rescue others. It states we confuse love with pity, tending to love those we could rescue. Trying to rescue or heal our parents set the course of our lives. Many ACAs grow up believing they have failed in healing their families without realizing that it was never their job to do so. As adults, Many of us subconsciously attempt to heal our families and our adult relationships by disguised designs. In ACA, we realise we have no power over alcoholism and family dysfunction. We cannot change anyone by ourselves. Oh, hi! <laughs> so, um, I, um, I love New York because I came and lived in uh, Greenpoint for one summer when I was working at... Um, Rockefeller University. So I was very excited to be asked to talk at a New York meeting. Thank you. Um, so I can't wait to hear you guys share and hear your accents. <laughs> um, uh, so my story is pretty simple. I um, I didn't grow up in an addict family. I know that sounds crazy, but um, uh, I did, but they didn't use drugs or alcohol, just to be clear. <laughs> um, I come from a family where the other behaviors were there. So my mother was a mental health patient my dad was a workaholic. And if you have a look back at the generations as we do in our um, you know, work book that we do, um, my grandparents weren't alcoholics or addicts either, but um, I had a workaholic on one side with my maternal grandfather and my paternal grandfather was a womanizer and a gambler, but no drinking or drugs. <laughs> I think that's funny, sorry. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, my story basically starts with, well, when I was born. Um, my mother was 19, I was her second baby, and um, she'd had a really horrible life. Her mum died when she was nine. Um, she lost her sister when she was 15. She got pregnant with my sister when she was 16. And then she completely lost the plot when I was born. And she tells the story that um, when I was in her stomach, um, she had appendicitis and they went to remove her appendix and she asked the doctor to save my life not hers so that was the first hook <laughs> um, and so she always told me that um i had you know that god had saved my life and i had something special that i was going to do in this world but i guess that means from the moment that i was born there was so much fucking pressure on my life to perform 
So I was born into this world as a miracle baby that was going to fucking save the world. <laughs> and, um, and I guess that shaped my life in many different ways. So um, my mother was bipolar. She still is uh, in and out of mental institutions. And she went away for the first eight years of my life. And some of my earliest memories are of going to the mental institution to visit my mother. And I, you know, I remember uh, watching people be force-fed who were anorexic. And, um, and one of my earliest memories was of my sister, who's three years older than me, playing the guitar to a group of mental patients and then clapping and being like, oh, you're so good! And me just thinking in my head, what the fuck, that's terrible. Um, and I don't know how old I was, but I wasn't that old. Um, yeah, so those are my beginning memories. And so mum was mental and my dad was a workaholic. Um, and so we were given away. Um, and the first family that I was given away to, um, you know, that mum told me a story recently that an auntie walked through the church and said oh we heard you wanted a daughter we've got a kid that you can have and uh, you know and she talks about being overjoyed of being able to have a daughter and I was like what the fuck like was I some piece of meat that was getting you know like sold in the church um and so I went to go live with um this family for the first year of my life um they were called Uncle Ren and Auntie Maureen, and actually they were very loving. Um, so the first year of my life, I had four big brothers um, who looked after me and cared for me. And you know, recently I went to visit that auntie and she told me that in the first year of my life, I, she couldn't settle me. She's just said she didn't know how to soothe me and all she could think was that I wanted my mummy and she wasn't my mummy. And that she just would try and soothe me and and just say to me, I'm sorry, I'm not your mum, you know. So she felt very sad that I couldn't be with my mum. And then when I was around a, a year old, um, they had a baby. And I always thought that I had ended up being given away to someone else because they had a baby. And she said, no, that they wanted to keep me. And I, I never knew that until recently. So, um, so the second family uh, that I got given to... Um, the father was a pedophile. And uh, I guess I don't have to tell you much more about that, except to say that that wasn't a really great upbringing. Um, and the mother was really religious, so she was always out saving the world, but she didn't save her own children. And that was sad, because my mother kind of repeated that behaviour. Anyway, <laughs> enough about the ugly childhood. <laughs> um, when I was about eight, my mother came back into the home and um, we got given back to her and uh, it was very violent, um, very dysfunctional. Uh, some days she was very violent and crazy and then other days she would just be in bed, lying in bed, couldn't get out of bed, I guessed, severely depressed. Um, and... Um, she always sort of credits Jesus for saving her um, from her mental illness. Uh, but, you know, she's back in the mental hospital now, and I guess she had some reprieve, um, but, you know, her mental illness has been a really huge presence. And I guess the elephant in the living room in our house has been my mother's mental illness. So what does this have to do with the reading? Well. You know, um, I my response was, to begin with, I was the hero child, so I went to school 
and I was the perfect child. I got A straight A's. I was, you know, I was kind of this really nerdy kid who didn't know how to talk to other kids. Um, I didn't really have any friends. I, I, I sort of had my first friend when I was about 10 or 11. So it's a, it's a really long time to be quite lonely. And, you know, as the nerdy kid, I got bullied a lot. So, um, you know, kids used to throw eggs at me because I was beating them in their math, maths tests and their mathematics tests. And um, so I suffered a lot. And I guess it wasn't until I got into the rooms of ACA that I sort of realised that, you know, my, my first bullies were really my parents and my sister. So, you know, of course I wasn't fucking going to go to them and be like, guess what, the kids have been mean to me. Uh, um, so, um, you know, I just kind of um, did it. I, I just kind of just kept doing it. And I guess in my mind, my little child mind, I thought that, you know, if I could be the perfect child and be perfectly behaved and um, have perfect grades, then maybe my mother wouldn't go mental because I always blamed myself that it was my fault that my mother had gone insane. And I didn't know, I didn't know that, I didn't know about mental illness. I just kind of knew that she lost the plot when I was born. So it must have meant that I'm, I'd driven her crazy. And so I guess I tried for the rest of my childhood to not drive her crazy. Um, and of course it didn't work because she was still in and out of the mental institution. Um, when I hit high school, I sort of started hanging out with the naughty kids, although my parents were really, really strict and really, really Christian. So I didn't really start using anything until I left home um, and went to university. And then uh, I guess I, I found, <laughs> I found a new purpose, which was to use as much as I could. Um, and to uh, earn as much money as I could, to use as much as I could, so I didn't have to feel the feelings and the abandonment um, from my parents. Um, and I, I'm, I was pretty lucky. I hit my rock bottom when I was 24 and went to rehab um, and found the program of NA. And, um, you know, that was 21 years ago, so I've been clean for a really long time. Um, but I, I guess I went from being like the hero child to the black sheep and then I went back to hero. So when I got clean, I went back to university and I ended up getting my PhD in neuroscience. And I guess one of the reasons why that kind of touched me, that reading, is because, you know, it talked about, um, you know, who hasn't read a story about a child with an alien parent growing up to be a doctor in an effort to find a cure for the alien parent? The fuck, that was me. Like, um, and I, I worked with mental health patients and I really struggled um, because it was just always mirroring my family of origin. Um, and I dated uh, uh, men who were like my mum or my dad. And I guess once I got into ACA, I'd be like, oh, hi, mum, or hi, dad. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. And sometimes, oh, hi, sister. Uh, um, but, um, you know, it's been really healing to be here. And it's been quite funny because despite doing a PhD in neuroscience, that's not what I do now. I still do research, but I guess the beginning of my um, my healing journey in ACA was to kind of put down the work that I was doing with mental health patients and to acknowledge that I couldn't fix my mum and I couldn't fix my sister and I couldn't fix my dad, but I could fix me. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do in this program. And, um, you know, the beginning of this program for me, uh, I, I started to do some work on um, sex and love addiction. Um, and I'd started to do the steps and SLA and my sponsor had said to me, hold up, this is my NA sponsor. She'd said, I think, I think we need to go to the source. I think you need to do the ACA steps. And I was, I was kind of like, okay. 
So I bought the big red book and I bought the yellow book and I and the very moment I started reading this book, like every time I read it, I would just be like bawling my eyes out. And I guess after having had this lifetime of being like, there's no one like me, you know, like the terminal uniqueness that we sort of have, I kind of found all these stories that were my story. And I was like, what? There's other people that have grown up with crazy parents. There's other people that have grown up with workaholic parents. There's other people that have been abandoned like I did. And and I guess there's other people that have um, experienced um, sexual abuse and incest in, in the home and have been fostered and adopted and haven't felt like they belonged anywhere in this world. And, you know, that's how I got to find you guys. So, you know, my ACA rock bottom, I had about 15 years clean um, and I broke up with my boyfriend, lost a baby, lost a house and lost a job. <laughs> and um, the thing that was crazy was um, I didn't have anything to pick up. I didn't have anything to pick up. And so I felt like I was going out of my mind and I was calling my sponsor every day saying, am I insane? Am I insane? And she'd be like, no, Mel, this is you getting honest. Keep doing what you needed to do. And I mean, I was, um, you know, uh, wound up in a ball in the fetal position, crying my eyes out, like ugly crying very loudly about yeah. two hours a day. Sure. Um, for, for, for about a month. Um, and at that point too, I, I was having to like walk like two or three hours a day to kind of move the emotions through my body and, and to get the anxiety out. Um, and that was five years ago now. And I found some online meetings and started doing the program I was really angry at God and I kind of realised I raged at God for a very long time and at my parents um, for treating me the way that they treated me. When I disclosed my sexual abuse to my mother, she was more interested in preserving the relationship with the family that had looked after me as a child than she was about my well-being. And it wasn't until I got to ACA that one of the men in this program, whom I really love, who's a dear friend and um, um, traveller um, said to me, you know, that that wasn't a healthy response, but a more healthy response would have been to get angry and to want to go and kill them, because that's how he would have felt if somebody had done that to his child. And so I kind of realised that the rage I feel at my parents and at God was about that, was about not being kept safe. It was about um, not having healthy responses. And um, I, you know, and I don't have to be a psycho bitch, but, um, and express that, that emotion to other people and to my parents. But through this program, I've learned how to process anger really healthily. Um, and so I often go out, out to the beach and just scream. <laughs> and it's really fucking amazing. It's a really amazing release. And I also find that, um, you know, doing yoga is something that's been really healing for me. That often in the meditation, I go to this really deep place of sorrow. Um, and I howl my guts out, basically, um, and let myself feel the abandonment and shame and sadness that's in my body. Um, so I'll just finish on this. Um, sorry, I focused on the mess and not the message. Uh, but I guess I can close on this message, which is that um, when I found ACA, I was really angry um, that I was going to have to reparent myself because I thought, fuck you, why couldn't I have parents that could have parented me? Why do I have to learn how to parent myself? You know, and that was a lot of the rage that I felt towards God. And um, through the process of doing the steps, and I'm not all the way through yet, 
and through reading my big book, uh, big red book, and going to meetings, and actually feel um, relieved and really healed by having to reparent myself. Um, I don't have children of my own, um, but I realise that I'm actually a badass mum, and um, you know the only person I've been able to parent has been myself so far. But um, I'm learning how to. I've learned how to keep myself safe. I've learned how to put down really good boundaries. I've learned how to be really loving and kind and compassionate towards myself. I'm learning how to have better relationships with other humans, um, and that those have been just really powerful tools. So. Um, Thank you for being a part of my recovery and thanks for letting me share.